Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Extra, your extra slice of Fulham FC content. My name's Sammy James and I'm here with Farrell Monk. Hello. Guy Barlow. Hello, hello. And Ben Jarman. Hello. So in this episode, we're going to be previewing the Arsenal game on Sunday as Fulham look to get back to winning ways, but it's going to be tricky against the Gooners who have notched up several consecutive wins after their slightly shaky start to the season. We're going to be previewing Arsenal with Dave Seeger from Gooners Town and a little bit Arsenal. And later in the show, we have an exclusive interview with Collins John. Big up, Colin. Big legend, name. Legend of the game from the mid-2000s, and uh, we're excited to have him on the podcast. Um, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. So, yeah, Arsenal under the new regime of Unai Emery. They had a bit of a shaky start, as I mentioned. Two defeats in a row. But to Manchester City and, and Chelsea, which is quite a high calibre of opposition to say it's a shaky start. Uh, and then seven wins in a row in all competitions. Five of those coming uh, in the Premier League. Um, ben, Unai Emery does look to be working uh, a bit of magic. It's it's a season of transition uh, for Arsenal. And, and some of those wins haven't been the most convincing. Watford at the weekend, Watford had their chances. Everton the week before also played quite well. There was a West Ham game a few weeks ago where West Ham really should have been two or three up at half-time and if they'd have taken their chances. So slightly flattering to, to deceive, but points are points at the end of the day and that you know they're up near the top four where they want to be well yeah you, you get seven wins in a row in any competitions is always a hard feat but obviously bearing in mind that one of them come against Brentford another one against a team we've never heard of in Europa League but Unai Emery's system is starting to take shape now you can see that the 4 one that he really wants to apply to Arsenal is, is starting to work and he's starting to get the best out of a number of players including Lacazette who's really starting to fire now um, it's nice to see that he's sort of integrated Lucas Torreira into the squad because I think he gives them something else that other other players in that in that squad don't necessarily give them. Um, he's probably as close to Santi Cazorla as you could get without bringing him back from Villarreal, and I think he'll have a real big impact on that team going forward. And I think they're they're very dangerous and someone that we should be probably looking well not looking forward to playing at the weekend they're very top heavy as a side aren't they you know yeah. with Lacazette and Aubameyang and um, Ozil came back into the side against Watford's they're going to score a lot but the defence hasn't looked the best a bit like ours <laughs> yeah, that we haven't heard that before <laughs> the battle of the most poorest defence in the league there's probably a better version of Fulham at the moment in the yeah. very good going forward very poor defensively um, but yeah I mean Cardiff troubled them a few weeks ago we, went, we, went, we just ran through their fixtures there and Cardiff scored twice against them yeah, which is pretty embarrassing, I think, <laughs> considering <laughs> yeah. where Cardiff are going to finish this season. So, I mean, if Cardiff's score twice against them, I reckon we can, you know, have a good go. They are one of these clubs that you know kind of run from crisis to crisis at the moment. The press isn't focusing too much on Arsenal, and it's Man United taking a lot of the headlines. But it's only going to take you know one bad performance at Craven Cottage on Sunday against us before all the media start swarming around Arsenal again and, and saying that Unai Emery isn't the man to succeed Arsene Wenger. Is he any different to Arsene Wenger? So I think if Fulham can get an early goal, a bit like we said against Everton, if we had managed to get our noses in front, the confidence is quite fragile in that team. 
It's almost like you're saying the media are sensationalist by any by, <laughs> by reading into that. Absolutely not. Where did you read into that? <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. I think that Fulham kind of well watching the game when we were watching the game on Saturday. It's like we are a bit of a confidence team because we had a couple of big chances we didn't take them and then it just it kind of dragged the sucked the performance out of the team a little bit and sucked our confidence so hopefully an early goal on, on I mean how many times have we said this for the last couple of years an early goal would be absolutely lovely but there never seems to come um, but it, and recently in the, in the past few weeks it's come against us um, but hopefully we can we can get another goal because usually with Fulham it's what one goal turns into two or three or four um, and especially against a, this porous defence that we've spoken about again uh, for Arsenal, but that Arsenal team they've got attacking quality in, in in abundance. Lacazette is finally justifying his hefty transfer fee from from last season. Um, he scored a lovely goal a couple of weeks ago, and you know I think where the probably where it's going to be won or lost is is on the counter attack for both teams um, on Sunday. Um, Arsenal are very, very clinical. They showed very, they were very, very clinical against Everton the other week, where Everton were by far the better team, and they managed to carve out two two chances in two minutes and scored two goals. Um, and you know, as we've seen with this Fulham team, we are very vulnerable on the counter attack, especially you know against Everton last week. We we conceded one of the counter attack as well, and there were multiple opportunities. Theo Walcott could have got three or four goals against us, and you know he's not as quick as he once was, but. He's definitely slower than, you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette, for I example. Mean, I think this is the type of game where you perhaps go to a, maybe a three-at-the-back system. Like, mm. we, we played against Millwall because it allows us for, to have our, our wing-backs bomb on and it also allows us to get people in and around Mitrovic. But despite Arsenal having a somewhat porous defence, they've got two very good centre-backs in Socrates and Mustafi. And I'm, I'm unsure if both are going to be available for the game because I'm not an Arsenal fan. But both of them are very much capable of keeping Mitrovic quiet. So it's important for us to get, you know, the likes of Scheller and Sessegnon around them to really cause some trouble. So Fulham on Saturday encountered a few injuries. We also saw the return of Tim Ream uh, and Tom Kearney, Joe Bryan, Timothy Fossey-Mensa uh, potentially out of this one as well. So difficult to see what lineup, especially in defence, Slav's going to go with. He's already played seven different combinations of defence and without Timothy Vossi-Mensa or Joe Bryan and the fact he hasn't had Tim Ream, it looks like it's going to be eight from eight. I want him to keep this record up all season. Let's get the full 38 different combinations of defence. I mean, you're the stats man here, Farrell. I feel like you might be able to work out the probability of that actually happening. By stats, I more mean numbers. Yeah, apart from we've got the host of the stat show on, on here. Yeah, no, not stats. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're head of accounts. I feel like... Some sort of differential would be up your street for working that out. Well, I mean, I don't want to turn listeners off or uh, send them to sleep. Um, you do anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what lineup? I forgot the question. What lineup are we going to go for? What lineup are we going to see on Sunday? Well, I think that if we are going to see like massive ring changes at the back, you know, apart from the enforced ones, I think that I would echo what Ben would, was saying about maybe going to a back five or a back three with two wing backs. Is that not right, quite risky to start employing different tactics against a side like Arsenal? Yeah, perhaps, but... you, you know, not save that for Cardiff in a few weeks? Or would you say that's actually more important? No, it's more important. More important, yeah. Me. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, it's, it's, you know, anything... anything um, a draw or better on on Sunday is is kind of a bonus in a weird way, considering how how good Arsenal are at the moment. And you know they are a solid top four team, and even at home we shouldn't expect you know anything, you know any points 
being so, picked up. So do you expect to see Sess at left back and Christie at right back given the nature of uh, the two injuries for Fossi Mensah and Brian? Yeah, I, I expect to see that. Yeah, that. That's partly why I think that we should be switching to a back three or five just to get them into the game a bit more and give them a little bit more freedom. I think Farrell uh, sums it up quite nicely. I think this might have been off microphone when he said that Christie quite often goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. And I think if we give, put another central defender in the, in the back there, that it might clean up some of those errors. You know, if, if for example, Arsenal leave Lacazette and Aubameyang up, which they probably will, then it means it's two on two straight away. And I think another centre-back in there would do well to uh, nullify that threat. I mean, it did kind of work against Millwall, but it's hard to deduce anything from the Millwall game because the opposition was, was so weak. We also said off mic that the back five on Saturday was a championship back five and yeah. probably the back, whatever it is going to be on Sunday, is almost going to be championship quality again. Yeah. Um, whether that be Christie and Sess in, at fullback positions or centre-backs. But, you know, I mean, Ream didn't look up to speeds and um, hopefully needs will get some match, match fitness and Adoy's got mistaken him, as we said. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. But I remember in our relegation season... Um, I believe at the time, it, I'm not sure if it's still a record, but it was at the time the most number of players used. Yeah, yeah, I and think it was so. something like 38, 39. And I when you I look believe. at Wolves and how well they're doing this season coming up, and how Nuno has had a pretty much unchanged side for the opening seven games, it does seem like Slav's lack of knowing what his best eleven is is also part of the problem here. Well, yeah, and um, I've talked about recently in terms of. You know, we are we are so fully aware that Slav likes to ring the changes to start off with to try and find his best eleven, what's going to work the best. Um, and it's kind of all right when you're in the championship when you can kind of waste seven or eight games like we did last year and still get promoted. Whereas in the Premier League, you've only got thirty, you've got eight less games to prepare for. There are more or less points up for grabs. But then um, again, the only aim here is to survive relegation. Yeah, absolutely. And you could you could win the last ten games. And survive relegation. If Slav is still in charge at that point. Yes, of course. He won't go. No, I know, of course not. Um, I'm not calling for him to go at all. Whereas actually, that was what annoyed me most about the championship. I was like, we haven't got eight games here to be thrown away if you're trying to get promotion. And in the end, it took an almighty effort, an almighty run, and we still didn't get there. That was what annoyed me more last season. This season, I can almost kind of forgive it to a point because the aim here is just, well, for me now, it is just 17th. I think any grand visions that we had of top 10 and all of that for me are just a little bit out the window yeah I, I personally I didn't have them in the first place you know you call me you're pessimistic or, or, or however you want it but I think going up to this division I think a lot of people forget how big the the jump is and we're being brung back down to earth slowly but surely but Fulham never start well and this is the third season in a row on Slav where they haven't started blisteringly quick um, so I, I, I've I still have faith in all the players and, and with Slav, obviously, that they will get us out of this and, and we'll continue to climb up the table. I do think we are better than other clubs out there, notably Cardiff, Huddersfield, possibly Southampton and possibly Newcastle. And I think that we can, we can stay up this year. So what's your starting eleven, guy? I mean, Bessinelli keeps his place. I'd go Christie, Adoy, Ream, Sessignon. I, I, I'd stick four at the back. I'm not really a fan of five. I didn't think, think it looked that good against... Um, uh, Millwall, Millwall and I, I remember we were calling for it in our first playoff season in the championship when we had uh, Malone and, and mm. Sess to choose from and we had Fredericks and we thought he's the perfect uh, wide fullback isn't he 
But I remember we played it once, maybe away at Reading. Oh, right, at Reading, yeah, it was rubbish. And it was, and it was rubbish. <laughs> and so I think even since then, Yukanovic has got bad memories of it, and I've got bad memories of it, so... And I'm also quite pleased that finally we've got Slav back to the 4-2-3-1, which I think suits our system mm. way more than the 4-3-3. And actually, um, I know we discussed this on Monday's podcast, but I think in the first half we looked far more balanced with, with, with that side. So for me, I would just like to see the changes that are clearly going to be enforced on us through the fullbacks. Maybe you see Kearney uh, come back in and, and make a start. I'm certainly not a massive fan of seeing Kearney off the bench. I don't think he's the kind of impact player you need. I think for me, he either starts or he comes on to help us maybe defend a lead and keep the ball. But for me, he's not a player that you bring on when you're 1-0 down and you're chasing a goal. Because for me, I just don't... I think he slows down the play. He's too languid uh, for me. So that, that would be the only change that I would make. But potentially with Sessegnon having to go back to left-back, that automatically opens up the position for Tom Kearney because there'd suddenly be a gap um, behind the striker. And you imagine Vieta or, or, or Schürrle um, will move out to the left where Sessegnon was assuming that's going to be where he finds himself on on Saturday and he's going to have that threat of those uh, of Bellerin and Monreal to deal with bombing forward and that's that's where we can exploit Arsenal as well you saw in that game against West Ham they often get caught way too high up the pitch yeah they do and that's why my preference is to perhaps look at something where you have a five at the back and then have two players or one player very very close to Mitrovic to try and he can hold it up as as at times throughout this season where he's looked so isolated up there by himself and he's working a shift where he can't get the ball to anyone else and it just piles more pressure on us. Well, let's get an Arsenal perspective on affairs. I spoke to Dave Seeger, uh, who's a close mate of mine. I met him a few years ago. Uh, he's a writer for Gooners Town. He also runs the blog A Little Bit Arsenal. Uh, and I started off by asking him whether he's looking forward to returning to the cottage on Sunday. Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not away season ticket holder, so I, I can't get a ticket to be there. But uh, I know a lot of people who are looking forward to it. It's a very, it's a very popular away trip with the Arsenal fans. Obviously, there's boat trips down the river, um, and uh, I think the away boys, the Arsenal band, are probably playing on one of the boats. So yeah, it's it's a huge, it's a huge away day that the Arsenal fans very much enjoy. But unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to, I won't be able to be there myself. Arsenal have been doing pretty good of late. Seven wins in a row, five of those coming in the Premier League. It was a bit of a shaky start to the Premier League this season, albeit against you know very, very good calibre of team. But you must be pleased with how things are going at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think all Arsenal fans would be... Uh, I wouldn't say we're a bullion, but uh, it's, it's a nice habit to have to be winning games when actually not playing brilliantly. Certainly not playing brilliantly for 90 minutes. Um, there's, there's, there's so much improvement still to come. So to win five games in a row when there's still much, you know, so much more to see from that team, and also I think when he finally gets, you know, settled on the actual team that he wants to play in the formation, because there's still quite a lot of tinkering and experimenting going on by Emery. So yeah, brilliant position to be in. You know, I think we're fifth or sixth in the league, four points off the top, uh, having already played two of our most difficult games. Yeah, so you take it definitely. Um, are you a little bit worried, though? The defence is still looking a bit porous. You've got away with it in a couple of games against Watford. Isaac's success really should have done better with his chance. You had the game against Cardiff where there were some good missed opportunities by by them. The West Ham game, the Everton game. Certainly, you've, you've been riding a luck a little bit whilst obviously coming away with the good results, which, as you say, is all important. But it maybe gives us Fulham fans some hope that we will have a few opportunities on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think anyone's, uh, anyone's uh, 
concerned they're not going to score against Arsenal at the moment. Um, that said, uh, what has been really encouraging the last few games is um, is the performances of Rob Holding, uh, who for me was definitely man of the match at the weekend against Watford. Uh, we had head and shoulders our best player on mm. the day, and uh, and it will be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, he, he, he resisted the. Uh, the uh, opportunity to be in Socrates back in that game because he was fit, he was on the bench. Um, and he, it'll be very interesting to see because Socrates has definitely been our standout defender, you know, centrally, certainly, uh, this season. And Mustafi's been the one who's been a little bit shakier. Hold, Holding's come in and done well. And Socrates generally played for Dortmund on the right. So he has the opportunity to play Socrates on the right and Holding on the left. And, and I think we may see that against you guys. Uh, and I hope we do. But uh, bear in mind also, we've still got uh, Lauren Koscielny who's back now back in full training. So, uh... um, your attacking threats are well known. Finally, someone is playing Aubameyang and Lacazette together. Uh, that front four with Ramsey and Ozil in there as well is certainly enough to cause any team a danger on their day. Um, what will Fulham have to be wary of on on Sunday? How do those? Well, I, heard, I hope you won't have to be wary of all four of those personally. Um, the the most Arsenal fans. You know whether they like each individual would have to admit that the Ozil Ramsey thing is not working. If you do want to play Lacazette and Aubameyang, so at the moment he's shoehorning those four talents in, into the attacking four, but it isn't working. We looked, you know, miles better and more balanced when uh, Welbeck, uh, latterly, and initially Awobi came on at the weekend. Awobi, obviously, with two assists in, in a matter of minutes, pretty much turned the game in our favour, and we just we just had more width and more cutting edge, uh, you know, with him in the side. Which is a big call, I know, but Ramsey's you know, not going to. Well, hasn't signed a contract now. The contract's been withdrawn, so you'd have to wonder whether he's going to continue to be selected in a side that is unbalanced because he's being selected. Uh, uh, so my- I personally think Awobi, you know, Awobi may well start, uh, or indeed Mkhitaryan may come in because he's not travelling with us this week to the the away game in Europe because of the political tensions in Baku between that country and his own country. So, you know, Mkhitaryan's another option as well. So I'm sure, I'm, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly convinced that Ramsey won't start against you guys. Uh, how much impact do you think that Europa League tie away on Thursday is going to have on Sunday's game? Of course, Arsenal are very experienced in playing away in Europe and coming back and having to perform in the Premier League, but it is a long way to go. Uh, how many of the lineups that you expect to see on Sunday do you expect to be starting in that game on Thursday? Yeah, it's an interesting one because normally when you have a Thursday night game, you might play two o'clock or four o'clock on a Sunday, but obviously this is this is an earlier kickoff. So, I mean, I know it's only a few hours, but it will make a difference. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, possibly only four or five potentially starters from Thursday night will start on Sunday. But because of the because of the injuries, um, you know, certainly to Koscielny and, uh, you know, we'll have, to, we'll have to be playing one of the centre-backs in both games. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll probably give Kolasinac a run out on Thursday. So, you know, he's back from injury. So I think it'll be a fairly similar team to the team that played against Watford that will play against you guys, possibly, as I say, with that one, one or two changes, maybe one different centre-back and one different sort of wide attacker. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think I don't think they have too many players who are going to have a full exertion of ninety minutes. Certainly on Thursday, we'll be facing you guys, so hopefully uh, it won't it won't impact us too much. Uh, much has been made of Monreal and Be- sorry, <coughs> much has been made of Bellerin and Monreal bombing forward. They're such brilliant 
uh, attackers, uh, but quite often leaving the Arsenal defence a little bit isolated. Now, Fulham play best when we can get the ball wide and, and hit the byline and, and find spaces you know, towards uh, those areas of the pitch and those you know, right and left channels. Um, have they been getting a little bit better at timing their runs and, uh, and timing their attacks so as to not leave Mustafi, Holding, Socrates, whoever's playing centre-back, too exposed? Mm. Yeah, well, there's, 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 two, there's two answers to that question. And one relates to the fullbacks, and one relates to a change in personnel in central midfield. Because obviously, take that one first. Torreira is now not coming on in games. He's starting games. And obviously, he's sitting a lot deeper than naturally, uh, with more mobility than Shaka would have done or, or Guendouzi. So if we start with Torreira, um, it, gives, it gives a lot more solidity in front of the back four um, with a player who's naturally you know, uh, inclined to play that way. But that said, we still need to create a balance with, with Monreal and, and Bellerin both going forward at the same time, in my view. I think sometimes we're a bit too gun, gung-ho. Yeah. But Bellerin, who I've been quite critical of, that was his best game of the season against Watford. He, he did very well defensively and his positioning was a lot better. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is an issue. And again, that might be slow, uh, solved slightly by either you know, Mkhitaryan or, or, or an Iwobi playing on the right uh, and then moving Ozil into the middle because they'll naturally work the flank a lot better defensively than Ozil will. So Bellerin might get a little bit more protection that way. But uh, yeah, we remain to be seen. But they are improving. Uh, but you're right to highlight it as an issue. And I'm sure uh, your manager's doing the same. Um, what have you made of Fulham from the amount of times that you've seen them this season? Um, it's been a difficult start for us back in the Premier League. And I think mm. we're looking at Wolves and feeling a bit jealous at how well their start's gone and, and wondering why maybe ours hasn't gone as well, despite sem- spending similar amounts of money. Um, are you well, worried about, any, pati- are you worried about any players in particular on Sunday? Yeah. Well, the answer to me is obvious looking at, at from the outside looking in. It's not the amount of money you spend, it's the amount of players you spent it on. Um, I think uh, trying to change so many players in your first team, you know, it, it, it straight away in the first game seemed like a recipe for disaster. And I've not seen a lot since that has made me change that view. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think he's got bought well. I think there are some fantastically exciting players at Fulham. Uh, you know, I've always liked Sherlock. I think he's a great player. Seri's obviously an exceptional talent. Um, but I think some of the players who got you there um, uh, perhaps have been cast aside a little bit too soon. Um, I certainly care, and he's not playing every week since he's been back in, uh, from injury, I, I, don't, I don't believe, anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, you're definitely a threat. Uh, Mitrovic is, 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 is a big threat to... Uh, to our centre-backs, no doubt. He, you know, he's very mobile for a big guy and he's, he's a threat in the air. And, of course, as you highlighted with the, the full-back situation, Sessegnon you know, is a threat um, and there's going to be, have to be a balance you know, uh, on, on, on our right and your left there. And I'm sure that'll be a bit of toing and froing between Sessegnon and Bellerin all afternoon, to be honest. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I don't think you've got anything to worry about. I think Fulham will be, you know, um, you know, well clear of the releva- relegation zone and sh- certainly should be looking upwards rather than downwards, you know, by the turn of the year. But I just think, yeah, I just think you try to change too many things too quickly. Well, I certainly hope you're right on that front, Dave. Um, before I get your predictions, what are your favourite Fulham-Arsenal memories down the years? There's been some classic games. Uh, one that stands out in my mind was uh, the 3-3 uh, a few years ago, and Arteta missed that penalty in the last minute. We came back, then you equalised. I thought I think that was Giroud, Giroud scored two in that game, didn't he? Yeah, absolute humdinger game. Any other ones that stand out for you? Maybe a bit more positive for Arsenal. 
Well, certainly there was. A, I remember. Uh, I think it was a three-one where it was two-one. It was a bit cat and mouse, and then Bergkamp scored an absolute um, classic sort of half volley yeah. from memory. But uh, yeah, there's been a few over the years. I mean, I've always, I've always had a soft spot for Fulham, uh, and I don't mean this in a condescending way. In that you know that a London club isn't as much of a threat <laughs> would yeah. be one way of looking at it. But it's not like that. I just, I just like them. Great ground. Uh, great tradition, great history, and yeah, I'm very much, uh, very much pleased to see you back in the Premier League. Um, but as for individual games, I'm, I'm, dr- I'm dreadful with that sort of thing. I go to so many home games. Uh, I do remember the three all very, very clearly. Um, but now I can't think of any other than that. Sort of, uh, I think it was in um, perhaps around 2000 and 2000, 2001 when when Burkamp scored a corker. But no, other than that, sorry. <laughs> no, no, absolutely fine. I think I think I remember that game. I think it was one of our first ones back in the Premier League and it was at Highbury. I think, yeah, we got ourselves back into the game. We thought we had a chance and then, yeah, seemed to remember Burkamp scoring a, a It was when um, Garner was your manager and you, yeah. you know, you, you really you really made us fight hard. In fact, I think it might have even been 2-1, but I think it was one all with about 10 or 15 minutes to go and I think we, we maybe got two late goals. I think it was Henri and Burkamp, but Burkamp was, was, was a drilled shot, a drilled volley for the edge I think from memory it certainly sticks out in my mind well certainly when we came up to the Premier League that was when you first uh, well not when you first won the league but it was another time that you won the league certainly around that period Arsenal were the very very dominant force and uh, we were one of your final games in your 38 game unbeaten run I think um, that in the invincible season I think we might have been your final away game that's yeah yeah scored yeah, and also I think I think that other one might have been, as you say, I think you might it might have been two thousand and one, two thousand and two when we won the won the double possibly. But no. Right, Dave. Um, prediction for Sunday. Uh, there's a few factors in there that we've mentioned: the Europa League, uh, Fulham's poor form, Arsenal's exceptional form. How do you see it going on Sunday? Well, certainly after the first two games, I think a lot of Arsenal fans looked at the, uh, the fixtures and saw eight. You know, we were talking about eight winnable games, and if we could win seven from the eight, so we, we've done five. We've got three more to go before I think a big, big test against Tottenham. So you know, Arsenal fans were hoping to be uh, to take three points from Fulham. I do think it'll be tight. Um, but I think the firepower, uh, you know, in our favour might just give us the edge. I'd probably go 2-1 to the Arsenal. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us on Fulhamish today. Uh, any Arsenal fans watching, where can they uh, go find your stuff? Uh, well, I write, I, I run a, a website called Gunnerstown. Uh, obviously, I'm on the Little Bit Arsenal show on Love Sport Radio, which is tomorrow night uh, between 7 and 8.30. And I have just finished my third book which um, will be out for pre-order by the end of the week. So uh, it's called uh, Arsenal, Ars- Arsenal's Double Double, which is a tribute to those two doubles we were just uh, paying reference to. So, uh, Brilliant stuff, Dave. All happening. Uh, thank you for joining us on Fulhamish. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Been a pleasure. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Frau Monk. Good evening. Guy Barlow. Hello. And Ben Jarman. Good evening. Uh, we're very pleased to say that on the line right now, we have a hero of the mid-2000s, uh, a striker who bagged many a goal, many of an important goal for Fulham. Uh, pleased to say on Fulhamish right now, we've got Collins John. Collins, how are you doing? I'm very good yourself. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Collins. Thank you for joining us here on Fulhamish Extra this week. 
Collins, uh, we've got lots of things to ask you, and I'm sure the guys in the studio do as well. Uh, maybe touch a bit more on your career and your memories of Fulham in a moment. But first, Collins, uh, be interesting to hear what your thoughts have been of, of Fulham so far this season, back in the Premier League. It's not been the start that we all dreamed of. Um, but, but do you maybe see some positive signs for Fulham? What, what have you made of them so far? Well, kind of mixed feelings, really. You know, um, I was disappointed, obviously, with the result um, uh, last weekend. Um, but I still think, you know, I had a few other interviews a couple of weeks ago. Um, I still feel uh, we'll be all right. Um, I think we're going to stay up comfortably. Uh, but, you know, in the end of the day, it's seven games, five points. So, you know, uh, I bet the, the Fulham fans and myself, you know, we're a bit disappointed about, uh, you know, for the results uh, we had this season. But like I said, you know, I think we have a good squad. Uh, I think the managers are excellent and we have to pick up points um, as soon as possible. So I think this game before the international break will be very important to get the three points. I'm comfortable. Uh, we'll be okay. So, what what do you make of the team so far in terms of you know? Are there any standout performances at the moment? Uh, is there anything that you particularly would change? Well, it's hard for me to say. You know, if if, if I would like to uh, to change uh, a few things, you know, I'm not the manager. I'm very uh, confident they will stay up, um, and and I also think the manager is excellent. Still feel Fulham right now that they are a bit shaky. You know, I, I just don't understand why, you know, because I think we have very, very good squad and players who can play, um, you know, we obviously we have uh, Mitrovic up, up, up top who can score goals. Uh, Shula is an experienced player. And uh, it just seems like people are kind of nervous right now, you know. I don't think that's necessary, you know. I, I just think we have to, you know, just be confident and, you know, play like last year, even though we're championship, but... It just seems we show too much respect to the opponent, and that, that that's kind of disappointing, you know. But um, but yeah, I think uh, we'll be okay this season. You know, we just need to pick up some uh, good results, and hopefully, we can um, build from there. How do you rate Slavisa, and do you think that you would flourish under him in like the system that we're playing if you were still playing today? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Any footballer wants to play football, you know, and. You know, that's why I got respect for him because he doesn't change his style. And yes, you know, a few people might question that. You know, you're in the Premier League. You know, you can't be so open in the back and passing from the back. But I just still think, you know, if a couple of results and, you know, you can change, you can you can see, you know, we're going to grow in confidence. So I really think we have to stay with our style of play. Uh, and, and also, I think it suits the squad. You know, I think if we're going to, change our style of play you know it might not suit a couple of the players so you know I'm very confident in the manager and, I, and I'm confident he will be okay in the end so you know we have to be patient I guess and um, Mitrovic obviously plays you know as a striker to striker he plays up front by himself do you think he like does that role well and obviously that's it's hard to do in the Premier League something that you did you know on multiple occasions up front by yourself in the Premier League oh, it's, it's, you know for me Premier League is still the, you know the toughest league in the world and uh no question about that. So to play on your by yourself, you know, on on the top is is very very difficult. But I think Mitrovic is um, you know pretty strong on the ball, and he just needs more runner off him. You know, like Sherlock midfielders joining in. Uh, sometimes it just seems like he's he's by himself many of times. So, but like I said, he's got five goals. You know, so it can't be that bad. You know, but just sometimes it just seems like he needs more protection from the midfield. 
I think going back onto your career, how hard we've we've got a number of players in this current squad that have come over from other leagues and need to ad- adapt. How how hard or how easy was it for you to adapt to the English style of play? Well, <laughs> you know, as a striker, you can ask anybody. It's a different story because the strike is all about confidence thing. Yeah, when you score a goal, you you, you think you're the best striker in the world. So, for a strike, it's very very important to get the goal make sure you're always in a position to score a goal. And you, you, when that happens, you're a different player. You know, if you are searching for goal for many, many months and many, many weeks and it's not coming, you know, as a striker, your confidence will drop straight away. So I was pretty lucky to score a lot of goals and especially, you know, hit the two in my, de- well, kind of my debut in uh, Leicester away, hit two goals. A couple of days later, we played Blackburn at home. I scored two again. And from that moment, you know, I just see myself, you know, flying in confidence, and that kind of helped big time, to be honest. So, um, um, so yeah, so I, I think it's, it's, it's different if you ask a midfielder or a defender, you know. So I think a striker is more easier to to get the confidence and make sure you actually adapt to the to the league you play in. So. Yeah, you mentioned that Leicester game that you scored on your debut and it was quite an important game, that one. We had been having a brilliant season up until that point, but we'd been on a bit of a lull. Uh, we'd struggled for goals ever since Louis Sahar left for, for Man United and Fulham were really riding high up until up until he left. What was the atmosphere like in the dressing room under Chris Coleman at, that, at, the, at those times? Well, to be honest, I love Chris Coleman. I mean, you know... Um, I spoke to him actually last year when he was uh, at Sunderland. He's a great manager and obviously, you know, it's, for me, it's kind of easy for me to say because he's the manager who bring me in. But I really liked him, you know. He was he was, he was was a guy amongst of the, the players. He was very open uh, and he was one of us, you know. I, we, we didn't really feel he was, you know, sometimes you feel like, you know, a manager is the manager, but he feel like one of those guys and that really made the team kind of join in and, and, and really be a team, if you can say it that way. So, um, you know, obviously that goal was important because we won 2 know, and I scored two goals. So, you know, that was a great feeling. I remember calling my mom straight after the game. So that was, a, <laughs> that, yeah, that was a big thing for me. And I was a young guy and coming from Holland and, you know, you know, totally different country and, you know, playing one of the best league in the world to score two goals and actually win 2 know. And that was a big thing for me. And obviously, two days later, play against Blackburn, score another two. Yeah, that, you know, of course, we lost that game 4-3. But, you know, to score four goals in two, three days is not bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like like I said, Chris Cohen was great. And, um, yeah, everything was, 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 was great at that time. And it was a good experience for me. Yeah, it was a good experience for us to see you come in and, and grab your chance when you got your debut and... Uh... Going back to that time, do you, do you still speak to a lot of that squad? We've spoken to other people around at that time and they said that Chris Coleman was a very sort of gelling figure, as you've touched upon. Um, were you particularly close to any particular squad members? Are you, do you still talk to any now? Yeah, Van der Sar. You know, I spoke to him a couple of months ago. Anthony Van der Sar, obviously, he was a big, yeah. big member of the squad at the time. He was one of the um, senior players and... Um, and obviously, you know, he, he, he was at that time one of the one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So, uh, yeah, I speak to him now and then. Uh, I speak to Zach Knight. Uh, I speak to uh, Luis Barmorte. I speak to Carlos Bocanegra. So, Ryan McBride. And uh, so, he's, you know, he's, uh, Radzinski, Thomas Radzinski, I still speak to him sometimes. So, you know, it's a few guys I still speak to. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice thing, you know, always keep, keep in contact. And, uh you know, we had a great squad. It was really a team back then and uh, really uh, felt like a family. So, 
and you know, and like going back from the shot, Edwin from the shot, he helped me so much at the time when I was, you know, youngster coming in London and knowing nobody at the, uh, you know, at the um, in London himself, and obviously he was Dutch, so speaking the same language was, you know, was a big was a big advantage for me at that time, you know. So it was a great thing to have. You you spoke earlier on about how many goals you scored for Fulham, but there's one of us, uh, all of us in the studio have one particular goal that we all love, and it's that one against Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough. Can you can you talk <laughs> us through how you felt after it? Like when yeah, you watched I, it back, were you just funny because um, one of my friends' brother, he's he's I think 16, 17. He was like, yeah, you know, a couple of days ago, I was checking up in YouTube and uh, and Google. And I saw one goal of you against Middlesbrough, like an old friend kick. And I was like, yeah, I remember that goal. And he was like, you know, how's that feel? I was like, wow. When I scored that goal, it was kind of a dream. You Sometimes, you know, you want to do something, but you actually realize how nice it is. And it was one of those goals, you know. I just, obviously, I had something in my head and I did it. And actually coming out that way was, for me, was incredible. So, yeah, that was surely my best goal in my career. So, yeah, it was a big goal. One I remember, the one you scored against Man United. I remember Rio Ferdinand chasing after you, and that was that was a huge goal at the time. Surely the biggest club you scored against. Yeah, you know, I, I scored at Stamford uh, Bridge as well, at Chelsea away. Yeah, yeah. I remember that goal as well, and uh, I scored at Liverpool away as well. So, yeah, I scored a few goals. Uh, but, yeah, definitely the best goal was against Middlesbrough away. That was a big goal, and... Uh, 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 I think one of the biggest goals as well was on my birthday... Um, Charlton away. Um, my mum was at the stand as well at Charlton. So yeah, I've got a couple of goals in. Uh, but yeah, definitely you know, like 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 I said just now, Middlesbrough was was the biggest uh, and the, and yeah the most uh, beautiful goal in my career. So that was a nice feeling. It must have been a it must have been a good feeling for the. I don't know, the dozen fans or so that was at Middlesbrough on a Tuesday night um, actually witnessing that bit of genius. Um, you know, you, you the, only thing, the only thing that was kind of like missing on that game, you know, we lost that game in the end. That was a kind of a bit uh, bitty end, but um, personally, oh my God, I was one of the, yeah, that was the, yeah. Big, the biggest goal and the greatest goal in my career, surely, yeah. So, you know, you talk about these good moments, uh, obviously the goals are there, but, you know, what would you, you know, it could be one of those ones, but, uh, you know, what would you say is your highlight of your, your Fulham career? Um, well, I'm still going to go for um, the first two goals I scored for Fulham. Uh, uh, that was kind of like, you know, obviously coming to Fulham, uh, get bought by a small club in Holland, uh, replacing uh, Sahar. And to be honest, I felt pressure, you know, even though I was young, even though the gaffer told me, you know, you're going to have enough time to adjust to the Premier League and to the country and to the culture. I just felt pressured myself because obviously I was dying to do well. And um, so to score that two goals, that really gave me that boost and confidence. Obviously, the fans were singing my name. And from that moment, I just felt I could do it in the Premier League. And, you know, to be honest, I, I don't think I did uh, pretty bad. So, um, so yeah, I think that will, that will be one of the uh, uh, biggest, biggest achievements um, in my Fulham's career. And then after Fulham, um, you've had the most amazingly diverse career, uh, the, the countries that you've been to, um, you know, from fairly standard European countries, Netherlands, Belgium, um, back to England, but you've been Azerbaijan, you played for a club in Iran, you played for the Pit- Pittsburgh Riverhounds as yeah. well in, in the States. What's the craziest club you played at after Fulham? Um, craziest? Um, 
I would say Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, For Gabala. Yeah, obviously, the, the gap was Tony Adams. Um, he's the one who actually convinced me to go to that club in the first place. But, you know, you just, you know, it's a totally different culture. The country was totally different. It was very, very hard for me to adjust there. You know, obviously, you know, used to Holland and used to London and used to Leicester. And obviously going to that kind of country, you just feel like, you know, the things was not really professional and, you know, the training ground was not great, you know, and uh, it was just, you know, ref, the, the referees at the game will be like, you know, not, it was just, it was just awkward. And, um, well, like I said, you know, I've, you know, I have experience there, and I've I've been to to different countries, and uh, but yeah, I w- I would say that was one of the craziest experiences I've been in my in my football career. Um, so what's what's the future looking for you, Collins? Uh, we saw you at the Birmingham City game supporting Fulham on the uh, on the final day of the season. I know lots of the fans were uh, pretty surprised and happy to see you there taking selfies. Uh, as your future in football, kind of, what are you up to at the moment? It'd be just be good to find well, I don't out. Know. I kind of like I, I, I kind of like the media side of the football as well. So yeah, know, um, yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, but you know, I don't know. You know, I'm just gonna see what comes in my path and. Uh, and I'm going to go from there, you know, but I, I definitely want to stay in football because football is my life. And obviously I brought up with football and football gave me this, this kind of like, you know, experiences and, 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 and yeah, my, my life was football basically. So yeah, I want to stay in football, but I'm not, I'm not really sure what side, but like I said, media, I kind of like the media side of it, you know, seeing Jermaine Genus on, on match of the day and, you know, giving, giving his thought about football. I just think he, he, he's doing an excellent job. So, Maybe that kind of side will kind of suit me, but, you know, yeah. it's a long way to go. So let's see what the future holds. But um, at this moment, I'm just enjoying some family time with my daughter and, uh, you know, watching all the Fulham games and watching the Premier League games. So, you know, traveling. And um, so there, let's see. Well, if you, fancy, if you fancy uh, being part of a uh, an all right Fulham podcast, then uh, then you know where to go, Collins. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I really enjoy you, you guys having me over, so I really appreciate it. Well, um, we loved having you on, Collins, uh, and all the best for the future. Hopefully we can chat to you soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, thank you to Collins John for chatting to Fulhamish today. Always love a bit of Collins John. He was one of my favourite players back in the day. He just always bagged important goals. Yeah, he, he always put a lot of effort on the on the field of play. Um, he ran the channels well. He was quite a he was quite a physical specimen, and it's easy to forget how young he was when he when he first joined. Yeah, as well. I mean, he's still only thirty two. Yeah, so, which um, I mean, it's quite something. It's quite a classic striker's career. You know, look, you look at players like Michael Owen and Wayne Rooney to an extent as well. When he burst on the scene so quickly. And they kind of have that raw pace and lots of confidence at the time. And I guess that's kind of what happened with Collins's career. And it's not a surprise that it all kind of went so well so quickly. Whereas, you know, in other positions, especially as you move further back down the pitch, quite often they, they blossom later in a career. Yeah. He, he got a couple of bad knee injuries along the way as well. And um, I think that really, really hampered his career, speaking from experience. Yes. Yeah. When you play such a physical game in such a physical league, at that young, it's quite easy to burn out. And I think, unfortunately, that did happen to him later in his career. So, uh, we got Arsenal on Sunday. We spoke about it at length uh, before. We all off to the game? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. A bit annoying kickoff time. I like it. Do yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, I like 12 o'clock on a Sunday? Yeah, I like an early one. But it's, it's a bit subdued, isn't it? The atmosphere. Nice, no, fine. 
Yeah. No, I, I just quite like it. I like getting up early and going and then having the rest of the day afterwards. It's quite, yeah. It's I understand nice. that. I just got no time for a game beforehand. Yeah, but you, you guys all come from 30 minutes out, 20 minutes out, etc. Yeah. I come from an hour and a half, like hour and 45 minutes out to watch a game. So it's quite nice just to not be getting back at. Like if, if yeah. it's an evening game, we get back at twelve, for example. Yeah. At least you like as soon as you wake up, you're like, oh, it's almost game time. Yeah, kind yeah. of first real big big game at the cottage in terms of caliber of opposition since we've been back in the prem. No disrespect to some of the sides we face, but it's the first kind of uh, we can't really call them top four anymore, but top six side we, we've got coming to the cottage. Yeah, it's the first. You're right. It's the first like we're back properly back in the big time now, and um, we've got a decent record against Arsenal. Really, um, I mean. Zamora, the Zamora winner springs to mind immediately, but then also Hangeland scored against them. I mean, yeah, at home, I feel like we give them a good game and hopefully they'll be tired after the Europa League because they're away, I believe. Yes. And so flight back. I mean, favourite favorite Arsenal memories from our first Premier League stint? Do you know mine? I think Louis Boamorte went, he ran the show back mm. in 2006, scored an absolute perler of a free kick and his assist... I cannot remember who got the first goal, but he he got the assist. I think it might have been Radzinski. So Radzinski um, got that tap in. Um, McBride scored the he had, that was the second goal. McBride scored the first goal after like a minute from a corner. His free kick actually came off the bar. It was just after. Oh yes, he didn't Rob, actually score Rob, it. Did Robin he? Van Persie got the goal. Do you know who got sent off for Arsenal? Philippe Senderos. Wow. Yeah. But there, yeah, that was a brilliant night in the cottage. I forgot he didn't actually score that free kick. It was just yeah. so good. I think it was actually the the free kick from the foul that that our our big big Phil got uh, sent off. Ah. And I remember giving Omri in a standing ovation um, when he absolutely rinsed oh, us. Yeah. I actually remember your that. favorite Arsenal memory. No, but I'm just remembering. <laughs> I mean, uh, another Arsenal memory is um, Mark Howsey turning down a penalty in a disallowed goal. I yes. think that was, Col- that was Collins John actually yeah. scored that one. Yeah, so that's a nice little link, isn't it? There you go. <laughs> Segway. Yes, because that was about two or three games before they lost the unbeaten run, the famous unbeaten runs. They'd been about 46, 47 games that's, uh, at that time. And we could have been tuning up at halftime if it wasn't for Mark Housey. Yeah, there was also another one that was literally at the end of that season, was the second game before the end. And we played quite well. And then Van der Sar gave the ball straight to Van Persie. And it was just literally game yeah, over. From yeah, the end that, of that was one of the final games at Loftus Road. I yeah, think. or if not the final. Yeah, one. it was. And, and then we were playing in that blue kit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I do actually have one I of those. I bought them as well. No, you don't. You gave it to me. No, there was a. I actually bought an extra one for you. Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't give you one of mine. <laughs> well, it's going to be a good one on Sunday. So hopefully Fulham can. You know, right some wrongs from the first seven games, get a few points on the board would be nice. Going to be difficult, but would be a, a massive confidence boost going into the international break. So that's all from Fulhamish Extra today. Uh, Fulhamish will return on Monday. Looking back at the Arsenal game, uh, and then it's the international break after that. So to Ben Jarma, thank you very much. Thank you very much. To Guy Barlow, thank you very much. Thank you. And to Farrell Monk, thank you very much. Thank you. We will see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Take it easy. 